Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Well, a little bit of the opposite of the question I asked earlier. What it, what's the worst dinner experience you've ever had? Was it a yeah, school dinners, family argument, a rude waiter, an, an impolite guest? Well, reading through the New Testament, I can't help but wonder why anyone ever invited Jesus for dinner, because it never seems to go particularly well. All he ever does is publicly expose your sin and insult you. So, but yet he keeps getting invited. Apparently, the reason is that the reason Pharisees keep inviting him around for dinner is because basically he goes to a new village and he's like the new rabbi in town or teacher in town and they invite him over for dinner in order to have a kind of informal, uh, I guess, job interview. If you're going to preach around here, let's just check that, you know, your theology is legit. Um, I'm not sure that those generally went well because he seemed to ruffle pretty much upset all the religious people every time he talked and made them feel pretty uncomfortable. And... To be fair, some of what Jesus has to say might make us a little uncomfortable today, but we're going to embrace that. And our passage today has two different but related bits of teaching. The first is a section of teaching on who you should invite around for a meal. And we're going to jump into Luke chapter 14, verses 12 to 24, if you want to follow along, but it will also hopefully come up behind me. So we're going to look at verse 12 to 14 first. And Jesus says to the host, when you give... I love this translation. It says luncheon. Who has a luncheon? Anyway, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. For if you do, they might invite you back. And so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although you cannot repay, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, when it comes to a passage like this that seems pretty clear, the question of how literally to take it is not always an easy one. I mean, does Jesus really mean that we should never have a family meal? Does he mean that we should never go out for dinner with our friends? I think we can pretty confidently say that's not what he means. However, I think he might want to challenge the idea that those are exclusive places where only family and only friends are welcome. An example of this is that every year, families in our church invite around people from, our, from different congregations who don't have anywhere else to go for their Christmas meal. Whilst Christmas meals are often an exclusively family or friends place, this is an amazing demonstration of the kingdom of God. Inviting strangers and people who are lonely and needy, to the Christmas table at that time of year. So how can we live lives that are more open to welcoming the lonely, the poor, and the needy? So whilst I think this is a really important point and an important question, I don't think it's the main one that Jesus is trying to get to. As usual, Jesus is looking to get to the heart to the motivations of our actions, to the question of our priorities. I find really interesting in the passage that Jesus doesn't say that our actions shouldn't be motivated by self-interest. He says your actions should be motivated by a desire for reward, but that you get to decide what reward you get. 
depending on what you prioritize. If you prioritize the things of this world, then you'll receive the rewards of this world. If you choose to act in such a way as to receive the rewards of this life, wealth and honor and respect from others, then that might be just what you get. But if you choose to act in a way that reveals the countercultural heart of God, if the kingdom of God is your highest priority, then God will reward you. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees at the meal, you say you love God, but your actions reveal that in reality, you love the things of this world most. So what rewards are we living for? What priorities are driving our day-to-day -day decisions? The decisions about who to invite for coffee, who to talk to in the office or on the street or in the school playground, who to invite for lunch or maybe who to talk to on a Sunday. Where are our priorities? Well, off the back of that teaching, we jump into the next verse, verse 15. And it continues like this. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, well, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, this comment, it, this comment introduces the parable that we're about to go into. And it, cont it contains some Old Testament imagery and some theology that we're just going to jump into before we continue. Now, the Jewish people were waiting for what they would call the Messiah, God's chosen king who would come and establish a kingdom that was ruled by God and in accordance with his will. And when the Messiah came, there'd be great celebration and feasting. And we see this in Isaiah 25, verses 6 to 9. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. I'm hungry already. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheets that cover all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from our faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, he, we will say, surely this is our God. We trust in him and he saved us. This is our Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. In Jesus' day, there was a lot of discussion and theological debate about who exactly was going to get invited to this feast. Some, like the Pharisees, believed that only Jews would be welcome. There was a book at the time um, called the Book of Enoch, which was a kind of Jewish prophetic text. And um, in it, the Gentiles or non-Jews were invited but only so that they could all be killed before the meal. Another group called the Essenes was a strict Jewish monastic movement, and in their writings, which were discovered in Qumran and known as the Dead Sea Scrolls, if you've heard of them, it's really clear that not only are the Gentiles not invited, but any Jew who failed to keep the law properly or who was physically disabled wasn't invited. And these conversations and these debates have been going on for hundreds of years. And this was the context in which Jesus tells this parable. 
So continuing in Luke verse 16, says, Jesus replied to the man, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field. Sorry, I've uh, got to go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, oh, um, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Sorry. The servant came back and reported these things to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Well, given the context, you probably see why Jesus' parable might have ruffled a few religious feathers. Well, in this parable, we see three groups of people that correspond to different groups in Jesus' day. The first is the group that rejects the invitation, the Pharisees and other religious Jews. The second is the poor and disabled, that's social outcasts within Jewish society. And the third is those outside the city, which is most likely the Gentiles. Now, in Jesus' time, when you hosted a banquet, there would be two invitations that would go out. The first invitation that would go out, and then you would RSVP to say, yeah, I'm free, I'm available, so that the host knew how many people to cook for. And then a while later, normally a couple days, you would get the second invite to let you know how long that, that it was ready, because it took a while to prepare the food. Now, these people have accepted the first invitation. So they've had the first invite, They've RSVP'd and said, we'll definitely be there. But when the second invite comes, they make their excuses. For them, their possessions, their natural desires, and general business busyness takes priority over this banquet. Ultimately, in reality, it is taking priority over their relationship with the host. They have no problem offending him. Now Jesus is warning the Pharisees that if you can't that you that they can't presume to have a place in the kingdom of God just because they're Jewish. If your priorities lead you to reject the host of the banquet, the Messiah, Jesus himself, then you will miss out. So is there a warning for us? I don't know about you, But I find it quite easy to get distracted from maintaining a connection with Jesus. It's easy to roll over in the morning, press that snooze button, press it again, press it again, (laughs) until there's no time left to spend with Jesus, to read my Bible and to listen to what he wants to say to me at the start of the day. It's easy to, you know, watch another Netflix show and another one until I fall asleep on the sofa and I'm not particularly intentional about how I go to bed. And, you know, weeks can go by or maybe even months and it, before I ha- realize that it has been an awfully long time since I've had any meaningful connection with Jesus. 
Now, I think what this passage is telling us is that our priorities matter. And that actually, our intentionality and our relationship with Jesus matters. And if we neglect it, it does have consequences. That we can't sit back on our laurels and assume on the goodness, the mercy, the love and the grace of God. Our decisions, our actions, and our choices and priorities have real consequences. The second group of people illustrate that while we can't presume we have a seat at the banquet if we don't prioritize our relationship with the host, the second ones show that we can't earn our place. We aren't owed an invitation. In fact, the invitation is free. It's given to us free of charge, all on the cost of the host. So as in Jesus' first book of teaching, first block of teaching, sorry, from verse 12, the poor and the needy have nothing to offer. More than that, in Jesus' day, they were presumed to be cursed and rejected by God. Jesus is painting a picture of the kingdom of God where the undeserving and those who have nothing to offer are welcomed in. And as we've already seen, that's a good challenge and question to us as to how do we live in response to that. But I also wonder how you see yourself. I was having a conversation with someone um, and they said, I'm really glad you have your faith. I'm glad it works for you. But you know, I, I think religion's a crutch. I think I can face my life on my own two feet. Now, to be fair, she was trying to be kind but actually, it's pretty condescending, isn't it? I mean, Jeff, I can see you're weak. You're lame and you need a crutch. But you know, not me. And our culture tells us that we should have a strong sense of self-esteem. We can look in the mirror every day and tell ourselves we're strong and independent. We're awesome and gifted and talented and we don't need anyone else. Others should just accept us the way we are without question or critique because we are amazing. And if they don't invite us to their banquet, then you know what? They're missing out on the privilege of our presence. I don't know about you, but that's not really how we can approach God. Now look, I'm not saying that we all need to be racked with insecurity, but I do think that when it comes to approaching God, his invitation to us is to come honestly. Jesus' passage comes after the one that we looked at the other week about humility. To accept Jesus' invitation to his banquet requires some honest self-reflection. It requires us recognizing that we're the poor, and the needy, who come to him with nothing to offer, that we need him, and we need what he has to offer us. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Jesus says this to some Christians in the church of Laodicea. He, he speaks this to John. He says, I am, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I need nothing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And I counsel you 
to come and buy gold refined by the fire from me so that you can be rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those I love, I rebuke. So be earnest and repent. For here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens it to you, opens it to me, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The way into relationship with Jesus is recognizing our need, recognizing that we need that invitation and we can come with nothing to offer. Now, if you're paying attention, you might be thinking, wait a sec, Jeff, how do those two different points work together? I mean, on the one hand, you're saying what I do matters and my priorities matter and my actions have real spiritual consequences. On the other hand, you're saying it's all grace, it's all free, it's all a gift, it's all what Jesus did. So how does that work? Right, well, I've got a little illustration that I hope will try and draw those two together. Is there anyone here who's particularly good at catching? Anyone? No, no volunteers? Go on, Ben. All right. This is a little interactive bit, so I'm going to need some shouting out. All right, Ben, can you come up here? Can you just put your hands out like this? Okay, so can you think of some things that might be priorities in Ben's life? Work, great. <laughs> His marriage, yeah. Any, any other ones? Any other thoughts? Music, his talents, his, yeah. Church. Football, great. Right, yeah. His reputation, his health. <laughs> so there are lots of things in our life that we can prioritize, that we can value. And you see, we hold those things and we can decide what we do with them. Now, let's take a moment and use our imagination and imagine that this is some kind of beautiful, priceless, I don't know, crystal bar, heirloom, you know? And this represents the priceless gift of salvation, eternal life, relationship with our Heavenly Father, all that Jesus has to offer us. And this, I want to give to Ben completely free. I want to give it, you know, I've paid for it. It's a gift. There's nothing he has to do to earn it. He doesn't have to pay for it. It's a gift to him. Now, I don't know if, if I pass this to Ben right now, there's some things in the way. Now, it's free, but he's going to have to put some things down to receive it. Now, the saying is that Jesus offers us salvation for free, but it's the free gift that in some ways costs us everything. So, Ben, are you going to catch? Do you want to cut it down first? <laughs> no, that's the demonstration. Okay, let's see if it worked this morning because it's still here. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. You ready, Ben? Yes. Way. Okay. Thanks so much, Ben. Excellent. So Jesus offers us the free gift, but in some ways it costs us everything. The final group. We need to accept that the banquet is 
that everyone is invited to the banquet. The third group illustrates that the invitation of the kingdom is for everyone. The Gentiles, that's those who aren't Jewish, um, and that's most of us, were excluded because they weren't part of God's chosen people. They were the wrong race. Now, whilst racism and prejudice are a reality in this world, chances are we don't exclude people from a relationship with Jesus because of their race. It's no longer a part of our theology. But if you're anything like me, you can find other reasons to exclude people from, or at least not share your faith with other people. To not extend the invitation to Jesus' banquet with them. Maybe you think, you know, they're really happy. They have their life all together. It's, they're just really sorted. They probably don't need Jesus. Maybe you think they have their own faith. You know, and it would be kind of rude, right, to tell them about Jesus. Or maybe on the other extreme, they are way too messed up, too far away. They are too anti, they would never listen. I don't know what it is for you, but it can be easy to exclude people from the opportunity, or at least, I don't know, chicken out. <laughs> now, I get that when we talk about evangelism and sharing our faith, it's easy, at least for me, to start feeling a bit guilty. Because we all feel like, well, we could have done more, we could have told more people, we could have maybe d done it differently. Now, I really don't think that our calling is to force Jesus awkwardly into every conversation we have. In fact, the most explicit instructions we have on how to do evangelism is in 1 Peter 3.15. I'm just going to summarize it. And it basically says this, Make authentic friendships with those who don't know Jesus and then live out your faith intentionally and authentically with them around. And when they ask about it, tell them about it with love and with gentleness. And that's it. We don't have to force it. We don't have to crowbar it into every possible conversation. We just have to be real friends to people who don't know Jesus live out our faith authentically, and when they ask about it, tell them. Because there, whilst we know it, some of us might need to accept afresh that we are, have a role as servant messengers for this banquet. A familiar passage in Matthew is called the Great Commission, and Jesus said this, he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus is the host of this meal. He is preparing a great feast. We have been invited and welcomed in. And he calls us to stay in relationship with him, but also he calls us to be that servant who is sent out to invite others to the feast. So we're going to come to a moment of response now, and we're going to respond by taking communion, um, which fits very much with um, what we've been talking about. And so I'm just going to invite Joe and Ben up.
to lead us in that. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.